Welcome to Go Get Great, the podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs and ambitious small business owners. I'm your host, Brittany, owner of Brittany Miller Socials and mother of three. Go Get Great is all about helping you make life and business work together. You'll learn about the fumbles that helped get me and my guests to where we are today so you don't have to make them. So come join the journey with Go Get Great. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Go Get Great podcast. Before we dive in, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a disclaimer. This is the first time I'm recording on a new computer. So I have a totally new like audio system setting set up. So if anything sounds a little funky, I apologize. We will try and work through it to fix it for the next episode, but bear with us for today. Also, I am like going through the phase of my pregnancy where I want to eat absolutely everything. I am just like hungry nonstop, which is totally unrelated to the topic of today's episode. I just felt the need to share that because these have been sitting beside my computer and who knows, maybe I'll end up eating Pringles while I'm recording today because it's just one of those days. Anyway, so to dive into our actual topic, Brittany Miller Socials officially turned two in January of 2024, which is both hard to believe that it's been two years, but at the same time, it also feels like I've been in business a lot longer than that. Time is a really weird paradox. Um, But as I was stopping to reflect on what the last two years have meant for me, there have been some successes and also a lot of failures (laughs) that have propelled my business forward. But a few things stuck out above the rest and that I really wanted to share with you what I feel has contributed to kind of my success and also some of my failures (laughs) so that you can take what I've learned and apply it to your business so that maybe you don't have to make the same mistakes and failures that I did to help you accelerate your business growth. So I'm gonna share a few of the lessons that I have learned, and I hope that you guys find something useful, helpful, comforting, entertaining in today's episode. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is that your business is only as healthy as you are. And that's the first lesson that I learned. I think there's six in total if you wanna keep track. So I've been feeling this one really big time lately. If you guys have been following me on social media, you know that our house has been a revolving door of sickness since Talia started school and Rhea started daycare in December. It's been a time. It's been a time. It was like six to eight weeks of like back-to-back ailments. It just felt like every time one person got healthy, someone else got sick. And with me being pregnant, my immune system is weaker than it usually is. So it was hitting me. It was hitting me the hardest, I think, out of everyone. Um, So I got like worse symptoms and it just, it, in general, it, it took me longer to recover and I didn't really realize how much my health had impacted my business performance kind of until we went through some of that. Usually in my family, I'm like the care provider and I still was, even though I was sick, excuse me. But this time I was like super under the weather, like could not function myself, um, so it was it was really humbling. It was a very humbling experience. Usually everyone else around me is sick and I'm just like, I feel fine. <laughs> In general, when I'm not pregnant, I have a very strong immune system. So to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum this time was not an experience that I would like to have again. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it just everything felt like a struggle between the headaches from sniffling so much and my ability to do all the forward-facing activities in my business, which is a lot, <laughs> like recording podcasts and creating video content. I did push through on a couple of those. You guys probably noticed I sounded very nasally in the last few episodes that I put out by myself. 
because I could not breathe. I think I had to stop probably more than 20 times in each of those episodes. It was like every two minutes to like blow my nose and just just take a minute to like take a deep breath and breathe. It was bad. So I appreciate anyone who listened to those episodes because it made me feel better knowing that my struggle and my suffering while recording those was worth it. Um, Yeah, so I was just, I was having a really, really hard time doing all the forward facing activities in my business. And the reason that that really hit me hard was because I am really always one to practice what I preach. It was just such a struggle to do even the easy, basic, fundamental things in my business, like showing up consistently on social media and releasing podcast episodes. And I felt super guilty for not doing what I tell my clients that they should be doing, like posting consistently. I was like pretty much MIA on social media for like six weeks, which I did not enjoy. And I missed it. I truthfully did. But I felt a lot of guilt because like I said, I always like to put out there what I tell my clients to do. I never give advice to my clients that I wouldn't personally take myself or suggest strategies that I wouldn't implement in my own business uh, to some degree. Obviously, like if they're a product-based business, they got to do things a little bit differently than me as a service-based provider. But typically that's kind of the rules that I live by in my business. If it's not something that I would do, I'm not going to go ahead and tell somebody else to do it. So just really trying to give myself grace and space in order to recover as quickly as I could so that I could get back to doing all of those kind of core business activities. And throughout that process, because it was such an extended period of time, I did get a little bit better at listening to my body and what its needs were, which was helping my recovery finally in the end. Um, Lots of extra sleep. I have not napped so much in my entire life. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I probably napped this much when I was a toddler and like Raya's aid. But as an adult, I have never napped so much. It was actually kind of a blessing that it was over the Christmas holidays because Grayson was home. So like I would get up with the kids in the morning and then pretty consistently by like 10, 30, 11, when Rhett was going down for a nap, I was like passed out on the couch because I was so tired. So then Grayson could play with Talia and Raya while I slept for a little while. Um, Lots of early bedtimes, lots of fluids and uh, not as much movement as I'm used to. So that was kind of the other thing. It was like very interesting to see my body's need to like really just like slow down and rest to really recover. There was like no physical exertion whatsoever. So I'm fortunate that I have a business that I can run from my laptop, which can either come from, you know, sitting vertically or lying horizontally because there was a lot of horizontal lying during that. So like I didn't make this like last sickness sound really bad. And it's not the first time that my health has impacted my business, but it's obviously the most recent for me. And it was definitely the most extended period of time. I really felt that I just truly could not give my full self and my best efforts to my own business and to my clients. So that was um, a challenge, struggle, humbling. Like I don't want to keep using the same words all the time, but they they really do summarize kind of how I was feeling. Um But aside from like my physical health, I have faced a few severe several cases, several cases, yeah, of burnout over the last two years. When you're working for yourself in the first few years in business, it can be, it can just feel like you're in perpetual hustle mode. And to be able to like stop and step away from the never ending to do list and look after yourself, although you know that's what you need, it just, feels like it's not an option, which I struggled with a lot. 
Um, there were days where I would spend time looking after myself, starting my days with a workout, a meditation, getting dressed. And those were really good days and like seasons in my business. And then there were other seasons where I would like wake up and I would start working immediately. And I would literally work until I could not keep my eyes open at like 11 o'clock at night and then go back to bed. So I have seen both sides of it. And, uh, I really learned that even though I spent all day working, I didn't really spend all day working in those phases because I was just so burnt out that a project that would typically take me 30 minutes would take me an hour and a half. So I was working way more hours, but I wasn't actually increasing my productivity. And if I had just listened to myself and, you know, done a workout, did some meditation, um, or, you know, just like went to bed early and got a good night's sleep, I would have been able to get better results for myself and my clients in less time because my creativity uh, and my content, really true too, is tied to my own well-being. And when I'm feeling stressed and drained and overwhelmed, I'm just not putting out content that resonates with people the same way that the content that I am putting out when I have looked after myself, it just hits different. I was like, I can't explain it, but it just hits different. And then I know, and I know that when I look after myself, everyone benefits, but it can still feel like impossible to do that sometimes just because of the amount of pressure that you're under as a small business owner. And like, not to say all small business owners are under this much pressure when you start a business, but in my particular case, because I had opted not to go back to work due to lack of childcare, less of an opt and more of this is happening. Um, there's just been a lot of financial pressure specifically for me the entire time that I have been running my business. So I have felt that pressure all of the time. Whereas I know a lot of people wait until their business is consistently generating a stable income for them before they step fully into entrepreneurship. That was not my reality. So there's been a lot of stress around that. So it did oftentimes feel impossible to kind of step away from the to-do list to look after myself. And I'm getting a lot better at noticing it. Like I went through this phase kind of in early January, I was driving past my massage therapist's office and I was like, oh man, like it's been so long since I've been in, I really should book an appointment. And then the thought that followed that immediately was, Brittany, have you seen your schedule lately? You do not have time to book a massage appointment. And I was like, oh, that's a bad thought to have. That's a really clear red flag indicator that there's some adjustments that need to be made in my business. I need to be taking on less meetings. I need to shuffle some of my priorities around, maybe delay some of these deadlines because I need to look after myself. Otherwise, I'm going to end up in that state of burnout again. So I was like proud of myself for being able to kind of identify that before I hit full burnout mode again at the beginning of the year. Like the beginning of the year is not the time where you want to feel burnt out in your business. So I was happy about that. But it definitely is not something that you just like magically get over one day. It's definitely something that you have to keep working through. But I know that, you know, my clients are depending on me and my family is depending on me for income and I depend on me. Can I say that? Is that weird to say I depend on me? But I do because I have certain standards and expectations in my business, things that I should be able to do. And when I don't deliver on them, like posting social media content and putting podcasts out regularly and doing all these things, then I feel guilty that I'm not doing them. So uh, I'm just trying to listen to myself more to kind of recognize those cues, but also know that, you know, bad days happen and that's like, okay, they're, they're going to happen. It's not like I'm going to have 
perfect days every day where I get to look after myself. But every day is a new day to start over. And just because yesterday was a bad day doesn't mean that today has to be a bad day. So that was one of the really crucial things for me. And I think will be one of the biggest things for me going forward is kind of having that awareness, being able to identify those signs before it gets too bad and put the necessary steps and pieces in place and the support systems too, to be able to look after myself in that way. But I'm always delivering high quality content and work for my clients. I'm able to connect with my audience, feel my like my creative self, and just be able to do all of the things that I need to do the way that I feel they need to do them. Perfectionism is a whole separate topic, but the way that I feel they need to be done to positively grow my business and reach the goals that I've set for myself. The second thing that I wanted to mention um, is that investing in your business isn't always the solution to the problem you're facing. And as kind of like a subplot to that, don't invest in your business out of fear and panic. That's, that's my second lesson here. So as a business owner, one of the biggest things that I struggle with is a lack of consistent income. You guys just heard me talk about that in the last point. And there are a few times in the last year when I've made pretty substantial investments in my business out of fear that if I didn't invest, my business wouldn't continue to grow and I wouldn't be able to get new clients. It wasn't being patient. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Not a very patient person in general, but I didn't trust in my own abilities to generate income and grow my business myself without making these investments. And that being said, some of the investments have paid dividends in my business and they were like, quote unquote, good investments and others, not so much. And uh, like I said, a few times when I was making those investments, I was really stretching my budget to do so, which ended up causing me even more financial stress because of my lack of consistent income. And it caused more fear and concern and all of those just like negative emotions that you don't want to be feeling when you're trying to run your business and make sound decisions about everything. I also treated an investing like some overnight cure to the problems that I was facing in my business. I felt like if I didn't have enough clients, then I should just hire someone to bring new clients to me. So I hired a lead gen service to bring more awareness uh, to potential clients about who I am and what I could do to support them. And then I couldn't figure out where the money was going in my business or what my monthly expenses actually were. So I hired, I made the decision to officially hire like a, I'm going to call it a full-time bookkeeper. He's definitely not full-time, but he handles all of my bookkeeping now. So there's very little that I have to do in that way. Uh, And that was actually one of my best investments. So, you know, it's, it really, it depends. Investing in your business needs to be one of those things that you're really confident about. Um, And not to say that investing in lead gen services was bad, but every time I had an issue, I tried to solve it with an investment instead of trying to figure it out on my own, instead of being patient, uh, and instead of trusting myself to to do what it was that I needed to do to actually grow my business. Again, not saying that investing in your business is bad. It's not. It's very healthy to continue reinvesting in your business to see it grow, but it can't be done from a place of fear, which was the big takeaway that I had. You need strategic investments, and I know that now. And you also need to be realistic about the timeline of the return on your investment. So like I said, I was expecting overnight results. I didn't have any clients. I hired a lead gen service. I thought within a week or two, I would have a whole bunch of proposals sitting in my inbox of projects for me to start on. No, that was bad. So I went into that investment with unrealistic expectations which may or may not have colored my opinion on the outcome of it. 
And that's on me. That's totally on me. Had nothing to do with the service provider or anything like that. I do actually think that I will see good results from that investment. It's just, I was not thinking about the appropriate timeline for it. So having more people know about my business is great, which is why I think that it's going to be good for me long run, but it's likely going to be six to 12 months before any of those people know me, like me and trust me enough to invest in my services. And even as a marketing expert, like I know this, I teach this, I preach it. I talk about it on social media and my podcast. You guys know that one of the reasons I have six month retainers for my social media management services is because it takes time for people to develop that no like and trust. And you're not going to see the revenue until those things are in place. Yes. Sometimes you can see revenue sooner, but I expected, like I said, in a week when realistically I should have been planning for six or 12 months from now to kind of see that return after I've nurtured those new connections of people that lead gen service brought to me. So I see this a lot with people looking for social media management services as well, actually. So it was kind of one of those, oh, moments in my own business because I literally did the same thing that I often complain about (laughs) to Grayson when clients come to me um, and they're like, okay, so like, why aren't we seeing results? I was like, okay, well, it's been like two weeks. So we're not going to see results yet. Um, And six months, you know, like I said, sometimes isn't even enough time, even though that's what I set my retainers for. But especially like specifically, if you're making big changes with your social media strategy, it can take longer than six months for you to kind of see the changes that you're looking for in your strategy. And oftentimes when I start with new clients, we are making some pretty substantial changes to their strategy and the kind of content that we're posting. So investments, what I just kind of want to clarify before I go off on a a tangent of when you can expect to see results in your business is investments need to be made with a long-term mindset and the financial support to see out the length of time needed to get the return on your investment. So I found that there are certain investments that make the most sense and yield the most results at certain stages of your business. And I actually outlined them in a recent episode of my podcast, episode 41, why your marketing might not be working and how to fix it. So if you're curious to see kind of what I recommend investing in, depending on the stage of your business, that would be a good episode to check out. And my key kind of learning piece there was I didn't have a long-term mindset when I made some of those investments. So I felt stressed that I wasn't seeing the return in my timeline which was unrealistic about it in the first place. So if you know that you're going to be making a sizable investment and that could be like for you, maybe a sizable investment is $150 for some businesses, a sizable investment might be, you know, $2,500 or five grand or 10 grand. It really depends on the business. But if you are feeling a little bit stretched by what you're investing, then it might not be the right time to make that investment because you don't want to add additional financial strain and pressure to yourself and you're likely thinking out of fear and panic and you don't have that long-term perspective to be able to wait it out until you see the results from that investment so that's something that i wish i knew myself even six months ago so i do hope that you guys listening take that to heart so the third thing that i i have learned is that you need to trust yourself Sounds super self-explanatory, hard to do in practice. Uh, Last year, one of the words that I had for the year was learning. I signed up for so many webinars, workshops, retreats, seminars. I downloaded countless resources, some of which are still sitting in my downloads folder without being looked at, Uh, and signed up to a number of different email lists. I followed a bunch of experts in my industry on social media to see what they were doing. 
because I figured if they were successful, then I could do the same thing in my own like way. And then I would see success too, right? Wrong. That's <laughs> not how that works. I spent a crazy amount of time devouring content from other experts on social media in their emails, um, looking at things like website best practices. I learned it. I, I'm, I'm actually proud of how much I learned last year, um, but it did come with kind of a caveat. Like there, there was, not, <laughs> was not all sunshines and rainbows that I did all this learning. Um, but I had an epiphany at the beginning of this year is that last year, although I was learning, I was actually in a learning paralysis phase. I had such a bad case of imposter syndrome that I didn't trust myself as an expert. I thought I needed a fancy degree or several for people to be able to trust me and want to hire me. I really felt like a fraud. I actually had friends of Grayson's calling me a fraud, which was not helping the situation. And that was something that I had to kind of work through. Um, and you know, it's one thing for like strangers on the internet to make comments on your social media posts, but when it's someone you know that's like saying these things, it just hit different. So I struggled with that a lot. And I figured that one of the best ways to overcome it would be to learn absolutely everything I could about marketing, not only about social media, but about marketing in general. And I dedicated hours and hours and hours to watching all of these trainings and reading all of this information, a lot of which was really conflicting for the record and truly not good info. Uh, so just, you know, be careful that what you read from all of these experts is necessarily what you need to do. And the same goes for me too. Like if you're looking at something that I posted on social media and I made a suggestion and you're just like, that is a resounding no for me. Then just because I'm an expert doesn't mean that you need to listen to what I'm saying. You have to do what speaks to you and what feels good for you in your business. And yes, there are certain best practices that all businesses should follow. But one of the reasons why I love working with small businesses is because everyone has a different need and not all advice is going to apply to every business. That's why 100% of what I do is custom strategy for your business because there are exceptions to all of the rules and best practices and all of that. But getting back on track here, I just, I spent so much time learning and I did learn some new things, but at the end of the year, I started to realize that I actually knew a lot of what other people were teaching me. So maybe that finally gave me the confidence boost that I needed to get out of this learning paralysis. And if that's the case, then, you know, I really am grateful for it. But it also made me wonder how much further along my business would be if I had just trusted myself as an expert in the first place and how many more clients maybe I could have helped last year if I wasn't on so many webinars trying to learn all this information or how many more items I would have crossed off my business to-do list if I had prioritized tasks that were actually moving the needle in my business instead of scouring the internet for new blog posts about the best time to post on social media. <clears throat> Sorry, about the best time to post on social media. Spoiler alert, <laughs> I don't think it really matters. Um, and, I, and I don't wanna say that I wasted my time because I think that there was still value in everything that I was doing. But looking back, I wish that I had trusted myself more and I wish that I had, instead of dedicating so many hours to learning, had dedicated more hours to actually doing, which is probably easy for me to say now that I'm not dealing with imposter syndrome, at least not to the same extent that I was. But if you're a business owner who feels like you have imposter syndrome, don't get stuck in paralysis mode like I did. I highly recommend a therapist or a business coach or investing in someone to help guide you to where you want to be 
or just to be there to simply remind you of all the progress that you've made and the wins that you've had, because it really can help reduce the feeling of imposter syndrome and get you back on track and actually taking action in your business because your business will not grow if you're not taking action. And every business owner wants their business to grow in some way or another. They wanna make more money, they wanna help more people, and they wanna work less hours. There's always some sort of room for improvement in every business. So I know that that's something that could help anyone. And although not always from imposter syndrome, I do find myself in paralysis mode often when it comes to making big decisions for my business, especially if they have like a large time or financial association with it. And the best thing that I found to work for me, and again, this works for me, this may not work for you, is and to get myself, to get me to trust myself with the decision is to take action in some small way to work towards the bigger goal. I also find that when I have big decisions to make, if I make them first thing in the morning, it's really helpful. My mind is clearer and I feel more in control of my day, which helps me have more confidence in the choices that I've made myself. So right now, you guys know that I'm working to launch my course, Profile the Profit, which is coming out later this month. I am so excited that I'm on track for this deadline um, and this launch date finally. Uh, November did not work from pregnancy fatigue. December and January did not work due to sickness. So I am like, I am drawing the line in the sand. It is coming this month. So stay tuned for more details on that. So I'm working to launch my course, which has been a lot bigger of a project than I expected. And a few times I felt really paralyzed about how to move forward because there was simply just so much to do that I couldn't envision a world where I could get it all done while also handling all of the other responsibilities that I had. So I was, I decided to just sit down and take this very large launch a course project and break it down into smaller, more manageable pieces. And I've been able to tackle those pieces little bit by little bit and tackling those pieces has then given me confidence and motivation to come back and tackle the next item, which is slowly moving me closer to my goal and why I can pretty confidently say that it is coming in February because we're, we're getting really close to having all of the items crossed off the to-do list now. So maybe not really close, but we are substantially closer than we were even two weeks ago. So taking the wins where I can get them. Um, oh yeah. So in and along the lines of like launching a course, I just want to note that it's not all in my zone of genius, I guess, I think is a common phrase that people will understand. Uh, things like website building and copywriting, not my strong suit. Um, I'm a, a decent content writer and I've learned a lot about copywriting, but it is just somehow harder to do for your own business, even if you are a copywriter. And I have talked to other copywriters who can confirm that. So it's not just a me thing, um, but they're, they're not my strong suit. So I was just feeling so confused and frustrated by all of these things. And those projects actually take me a very long time to do, which is why those have been kind of some of the ones that I've tackled first. So I'm easing my mind by kind of eating the frog is the other business phrase for that one. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of fear that I'm going to like write the wrong words when I build websites or write emails uh, that what I'm putting down is not going to resonate with my audience and therefore no one's going to want to buy my course when I launch it. That's a big fear that I've been struggling with. So taking these kind of daily small action steps towards launching my course is really helping me overcome that. And I mean, I'm hoping that it's not true. I'm hoping that you guys are just as excited for my course as I am, if not for your own personal benefit so that you can register and learn from it, but just to be able to like support me and be like, yay, Brittany, you did it. You've been talking about this for so long and we're so proud of you. Uh, so 
like follow me on socials and help cheer me on as we keep getting closer to my course launch date. So um, I just, I really had the realization that no one can buy my course if I never actually launch it. So you know what, even if I write emails and people read them and they're like, yeah, this isn't for me, then you know what, at least I tried and maybe it will resonate for someone. And if I sell even one course registration, I will be, I will be happy about it because I launched it. I would like to sell more than one, but <laughs> what, <clears throat> excuse me, what business owner doesn't want that? Um, yeah, so it's just kind of the more projects I tackle, the more confidence I gain and the more my imposter syndrome subsides, which is really good. So as much as being sick sucked earlier this year, it was really helpful for getting a lot of stuff off my to-do list because I couldn't create podcast content and I couldn't necessarily be recording reels as much as I was before. So I was doing a lot of like back end behind the scenes work. Like I built a bunch of welcome sequences in my email platform and like refreshed them because they needed to get done. And I redid like literally half of my website. Well, I wasn't feeling well. So those have all been things that I've been like dying to cross off for over a year now, honestly, over a year. And a few other projects that I'm hoping to kind of get up and moving soon, like my shop um, and some social media content. Um, anyway, so in 2024, my words are growth and action. So very different from last year where my word was learning. And I really think that taking action will bring about the growth in my business. And we are almost, like I said, a month into 2024. And I just shared some of the like big things that I've crossed off my to-do list already this year. So I'm feeling very excited um, about my course launch and all the other goals because they feel manageable now. Like it doesn't feel like I've set these big momentous goals. Okay, I've got a big momentous revenue goal for my business this year, which terrifies me a little bit. But aside from that, I'm feeling really good about what else the year can bring. And I'm trusting myself to be able to do this. And if I can't, then I'm trusting myself to know when it's time to learn or time to invest this time. Okay, <clears throat> learning number four. <clears throat> Systems set you free. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, so for the record, I hear everyone say this. And to some extent, I know that it's important. But I've really learned this lesson during my recent pregnancy and the never-ending flu season in our house. <laughs> and it wasn't until I had to really, really slow down and step back from certain aspects of my business that I realized just how much I actually do manually in my business. I really thought that last year I had automated a lot of things because automation was one of my goals for the year. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> um, and it was also like eye-opening to see how all these little projects like sending proposals and calendar links to people for certain things, um, which is more or less automated, but like even booking meetings eats through a surprisingly large amount of your time. And when you don't have a lot of time to work in the first place, that's stressful. And also like booking meetings, not why I started my business. That's not what I want to be doing. Doesn't really feel like I'm having an impact that way. So knowing that, and knowing that I have an upcoming maternity leave and that I'm going to need to step back from my business again, <laughs> I'm really realizing the true power of automations and systems. And like I said, I told myself, I told myself before Rhett was born that I was going to fully automate my business. And like we just discussed, we did not automate as much as we thought we did. Um, and it's just, it's not a task that I enjoy, which is part of the reason why I never really finished automating things. Um, but you know, like I looked into hiring experts to do it for me and while their prices are fair for the work they're quoting, it feels a little bit like spending house renovation money to replace the roof when what you really want is a kitchen remodel. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It's necessary, but it's not fun. <laughs> 
So I never actually made the investment. So here we are a year later. Like I said, my systems are only slightly more automated now than they were last year. And I'm still doing all of the manual day-to-day operations for my business. And I'm feeling more exhausted and sick than I did the last time around with Rhett. My body and my business are telling me that I really need to have the space to rest during all of this sickness. And if I had set the systems up last year, like I told myself I was going to, then I probably wouldn't have found the last six to eight weeks as challenging as I did because more things would have been in place. And also because this time around, like I actually have help in my business. Grayson is like officially on board and does a lot of like my tech behind the scenes podcast stuff. Uh, He does like all of my video editing and I have an employee, Hallie, who supports a lot of like the behind the scenes projects too. She does some social media content for me and some of my clients as well. So I should feel more supported this time around. And I actually felt less supported and prepared being sick this time than I did going on maternity leave with Rhett a year ago. It was weird eye-opening. Again, I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but I don't really know how else to phrase it because uh, that was that was kind of what I was feeling. So I am determined before this baby arrives and I'm going to make good on the promise to myself to have systems and automa- automations in place so that I can actually slow down and be more present with my family in May when the baby arrives. So I have done a few small pieces of this. Uh, but I have a lot more work to do. And it's actually amazing, terrifying, but amazing how much can be automated when you start researching the options that are available to you. So I know that I'm going to be building some more workflows in Dubsado to automate um, like my onboarding process a little bit more and some of those things because I want a consistent, a positive and consistent experience when people decide that they're ready to work with me. Uh, Zapier has also helped me integrate and automate some communications between my systems And there's actually a few other automations that I want to put in place to kind of ease some more of this like admin work that I don't enjoy doing. And I've also considered playing around with many chats to automate some sales and like, I'm going to say lead generation, but really I mean email growth with that while I'm away. Um, And I still love having personal connections with everyone, which is why I was like dragging my heels on that one. I love to be in my inbox answering emails, but it's getting, or answering messages. But I'll admit that it's getting more challenging to be able to kind of have that level of personal connection that I want while still doing all of these other things that I need to do. So I may be revisiting many chats and some of the other automation features just so that people can get information from me in a timely manner. Not to say that I'm just like going to ghost all the people that message me, but there are certain pieces of it, like sending out links to book appointments with me and sending out links to download freebies that as much as it's nice when it comes from me, it's not necessary for my business. So I really just kind of have to come to terms with that. And uh, that's something that I'm working on doing. But truthfully, the options are endless for what you can automate. And you really just have to now focus on what is the most important thing for you to get off your plate that you truly do not need to do as a business owner. And then learn how to refine and reduce the amount of admin work that you're doing so that you can spend more time with your clients, which is going to give them a better experience working with you, which is ultimately what you want. So that's a really big thing for me. Stay tuned for some more of that stuff to roll out between now and May. Okay, number five, you cannot do this alone. I feel like I should have clapped in between each of those words for emphasis because it is so true. Um, And I think that this was like, these were all really big learning lessons for me and they've taken me two years to learn. So obviously I'm a slow learner in certain areas. Um, 
But this one was a big one for me because I consider myself to be a very independent and capable person. And asking for help is not something that comes easy to me. But honestly, my business would not be here if I hadn't had help to get it off the ground in the first place, especially with the kids at home. If it weren't for Grayson and our parents' help, as many of you guys know, starting a business is like not a weekend project. It takes hours to build websites and create packages for your service, to go out and network and generate clients, and then to actually do the work for them while you do a hundred other things in the background to keep your business alive and growing. So as much as it's great having a business that you can run from anywhere, hashtag laptop life, Um, it doesn't really help much if you don't have the time to actually sit down and think and make decisions and take action to grow your business. So five minutes here and 20 minutes there in between snacks and nap time weren't getting me very far, very fast. So having my mom and my mother-in-law come over for even a few hours a week made a really big difference in how quickly I was able to complete all of the startup tasks that set my business up for success for these last two years. And Grayson was also an integral part of my initial business business success. I've mentioned before how grateful I am that while I was getting started, Grayson took on evening and weekend parenting and household responsibilities, which were typically things that I was responsible for, like cooking and cleaning so that I could have meetings and attend networking events and just in general focus on my business. Um, But he gets like an extra special shout out because at the time we weren't even together. So I really would not be here today if it wasn't for his help. So babe, thank you again. I know you'll be listening while you edit this. So I really appreciate you. Um, Yeah, but running a business, not a solo sport, (laughs) like at all. So aside from having help from my family, uh, from family or a support system for you, whatever your case may be, uh, it is integral. I was never truly alone in my business efforts. While maybe I could have figured it out on my own, my educational background is business. But having mentors and fellow business owners to turn to with questions and frustration can be the difference between a business owner having the resiliency to continue and come back stronger after setbacks or not. Like the ability to text a friend and vent about a bad day or a client who's driving you absolutely bananas. Just even to have someone to spitball ideas with makes entrepreneurship so much less lonely. And sometimes it's the loneliness that gets you. So that was like one of the reasons why I started my business. After two years on mat leave in the middle of a pandemic, I was dying for adult interaction because Grace and I were not dating. So like literally I was talking to my children all day, every day, and I love them to pieces. I do, I do, but you just, you need the stimulation of having challenging conversations and like thinking about things differently. And there were some of those, Talia went through the why phase during some of it, but I just, As much as I hated networking, I'm an introvert, it was nice to have a reason or rather an excuse to get out of the house and go and talk to adults for a change. So I appreciated that aspect of my business. Um, And I was fortunate that my business started with a grant from the Small Business Enterprise Center in St. Thomas. And with it came mentorship from advisors there, which helped me navigate the legal landscape of registering a business. Ironically, not something taught in business school, you would think kind of foundational for success, but no. Uh, But all of that helped me get started. And the fellow small business owners I met at some of those networking events gave me the support and encouragement I needed to get over some of the rougher few months when you're first getting started and you're working a bazillion hours without actually making any money because you have to put in the time to create those connections initially. Growth and progress feel 
super slow when you're getting started and having business owner friends who get that struggle, but also the satisfaction that comes with putting in the hours and seeing results from your efforts is really big, or at least it was for me. Like the feeling you get when you make money for the first time is incredible. And as I was sitting down to think about what I wanted to talk about in this episode, I was trying to come up with an analogy. (laughs) And the best one that I could come up with is it feels like when you bring a new baby into the world and you get to meet them for the first time. It's like a mix of awe and wonder and accomplishment and hope. Um, And it's not an easy feeling to give up once you've had it. And as much as it doesn't necessarily make the hard times easier, it also kind of does because you remember what it feels like when you are successful and when things are going well and working in your favor and you want to get back to having that. So not something that people understand who don't own businesses or who don't have kids, (laughs) Uh, but having that community to talk about it makes all the difference. So support, community, and mentorship, I believe, are the key to running a successful business. After starting mine, I was fortunate enough to be connected with an organization like after I was done mentorship with the grant uh, with an organization called Up With Women that offers free coaching opportunities, which I'll admit I was actually hesitant to take advantage of at the time. Like, I have a business education. I don't need mentorship. I can do this. So I had a little bit of my own pride to get over. Uh, But I'm really glad that I did because having those regular touch points and opportunities to talk about my business problems and create solutions and action plans to make sure that I'm continuing to move forward in my business, really helpful. And having the ear and support of someone who's been where you are and made it through the challenges that you're facing to provide solutions and advice and just in general reassurance that you can move through them too was surprisingly more impactful than I thought it was going to be. And it's also now one of the reasons why I offer coaching because I've personally seen the benefits and progress that can be made when you have access to that expertise and wisdom from someone who has been there. And I wouldn't want to run my business without these supports in place because it helps me stay centered and focused while taking action on all the things that I'm working on. So that was another big one. Okay, number six. This is the last lesson that I've learned, I promise. I mean, I'm sure there's a bazillion other small ones, but this is the last one of the big ones. But failure is the way forward. (laughs) Yeah. Another hard pill to swallow for me. Growing up, I used to be afraid of failure. I would like literally go out of my way to avoid situations that I knew that I wouldn't excel in, aka gym class. (laughs) I didn't take classes that I knew I wasn't good at, especially if they were not required. We only did one year of gym and then we were done. Um, And I also thought that bad grades and making mistakes meant that I was a failure. That if they did happen, And if they did happen, rather, I let them define who I was as a person. I let that failure or setback mean that I was a failure. And uh, yeah, I just, I took it really personally. And somewhere along the line, I picked up this habit of perfectionism because I didn't want to be a failure. I didn't want to feel like a failure. And it stuck with me during all of my schooling and most of my adult life. Until recently, I guess you could say I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist now. It's still definitely a work in progress, but one of the things that I've learned is that most of my growth has actually come from my failures or at very least the struggles and setbacks that I've had in my business that I've overcome. Uh, So I was trying to think of an example for this one too. Not an analogy, but an actual example of some of the failures that I've had in my business. And like looking back overall, there's, there hasn't been anything major, you know, like I didn't file for bankruptcy. I didn't 
lose clients because they didn't like the work that I was doing. Like there's, there hasn't been anything that's been like that bad, but it's like all of the little things. And a lot of that is about personal integrity too. And my own perception of perfectionism, like, oh, I didn't hit the deadline that I set because I was sick for eight weeks. Like, okay, Brittany, come on, like, be realistic with yourself when, you know, these things happen because you can't control them. <laughs> you really can't. Uh, trust me, if you could control whether or not you got sick, no one would ever be sick. Who wants to be sick? Um, <clears throat> so that was a big one. But like one of the other, I guess, experiences or things in my business that I would consider a failure, or at least that I did at the time, was the last time I tried to launch a course. So Profile the Profit is actually not the first course that I'm launching. It would technically be the second. So around this time last year, end of February, beginning of March, I tried to launch an email course called Zero to Inbox Hero. I was like convinced that this was going to be the thing that not only helped grow my income, but that everyone was going to be so excited for, like just beyond, beyond grateful that I was putting this together because, you know, I'm on social media quite a lot. I see a lot of things that other people are doing and email marketing really isn't one of the more popular business topics out there, which is ironic because if you talk to any successful business owner, they'll say, like, they'll tell you that the reason their business is successful is because they send out emails that make them money. So like email marketing is really fundamental to your business strategy. And you guys know this because I've talked about it in other podcast episodes. So I'm going to try not to go down that tangent rabbit hole, but I really thought that more people would be excited for the course because it's not something that's talked about. So being one of I'm going to say maybe a few people who do talk about it. I thought I would draw more people into my circle who would be excited to then purchase the course when it became available. Well, there were a few flaws in that plan, <laughs> namely that I was so busy getting the course ready after just having a baby that I wasn't really talking about it on social media. Problem number one. Uh, problem number two was that even with the people that I did have following me, I was still not talking about it on social media. So I basically just went, I have a course that's available, buy it. <laughs> And then I was amazed that no one bought it. Gee, I wonder. I hadn't built the know, like, and trust with my audience. I hadn't positioned myself as an expert. Failure number three. <laughs> I hadn't told people that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to email marketing, that that is an area of expertise that I have, that I can actually help them generate more sales in their business and streamline their content creation process by sending emails because most people think that it means more work. I hadn't educated them on the benefits of having an email platform, that you make more money from it, that for every person on your email list, it's roughly equivalent to $42. I hadn't spent enough time preparing my audience for the need for the course. So it was a lot in how I marketed it. As a marketer, that sounds like a pretty big failure to me. Like, oh, you didn't market your own course. Wow, gee, <laughs> what are you doing marketing then? But doesn't mean that I'm a bad social media manager or that I'm a bad email marketing expert. It just means that I kind of forgot some of the foundational steps that come with putting something out there because I was busy. <laughs> I was, I'm going to blame it on postpartum mom brain a little bit, just a little bit. Um, but I was busy getting the course ready. And because I was in a little bit of a financially scarce time, having Grayson off work without all that income, uh, I was like really rushing to get it ready. It was like, and it was a good course. I don't want to discount the fact that I didn't deliver quality material, but I didn't give myself a long enough runway to actually prime my audience to get ready to purchase it. So I also felt like a failure, problem number four, when only one person registered for my course. And in reality, 
I should have been absolutely ecstatic. One person registered for my course. Proof of concept, guys, proof of concept. Someone trusted me and believed in me enough to purchase the course from me, even though I hadn't primed them about email marketing. They knew, you know, they knew it was somewhat important for their business, but like I hadn't talked about it enough, but they still trusted me to know that it was something that was going to benefit their business. But at the time, I didn't have that, like, I'm going to say 2020 vision on that. I was just like, oh my God, I have spent like weeks and weeks and weeks getting this course ready and one person registered. So, you know, after like 48 hours of pouting, (laughs) getting over my ego there, I was like, you know what? Okay, I have one person that signed up. So this is going to be one heck of a course for that one person. But if I'm going to run it for one person, I might as well run it for 10. So I invited a few other people to participate and get experience. And it was like, okay, you know what? It's going to be great. I'm going to get testimonials. Just run it again in a couple months. Talk about it on social media more. No big deal. No. (laughs) So in my attempt to make sure that one person had this phenomenal experience with my email marketing course, I took what promised to be um, a get started with email marketing, like quick and easy kind of course promise or transformation statement, as they call it in the world of marketing. And the course actually became an everything Brittany knows about email marketing course. Yeah, one plus one did not equal two. (laughs) So by the time the course actually started and I started delivering it, even the people that I invited to participate for free after a couple sessions were like, nah, I'm done. And they stopped showing up to the lives because I actually gave them too much information. They were not ready for the level that I delivered in the course. And like, that's not to toot my own horn. I don't, I don't say that that way, but I promise to help them get started with email marketing for people that do not know anything about email marketing. So it'd be like, like, what's a good example? It'd be like showing up to what you think is a beginner math class to teach you how to do long division. And then they start throwing calculus at you. You're just like, (laughs) no peace, gone, bye. Which, you know, I respect them for. And I learned a lot in that process that what you promise needs to be what you deliver. And yes, over delivering is good because you always want to give your customers and your clients or your course attendees a good experience. You have to be realistic to where they are in their journey and not overwhelm them. Uh, I guess another example would be like showing up to learn how to run a hundred meter dash and then them telling you you're running a 5k. Be like, no, I'm not doing that. So that was a really big learning experience for me. So even though the entire course process for me felt like a failure because in the end, big surprise here, I got zero testimonials for my course uh, because they stopped showing up to the sessions. And again, I don't blame them. I threw too much at them and that was on me. But uh, it just the entire process felt like a failure. But looking back at it now, I learned so much about how to create a course that people are interested in and actually deliver on the promise without over delivering it. I learned like the marketing runway for a course and priming my audience for all those things. I also learned a lot about like the technical aspect of delivering the course. Uh, and I'll, I'll have some changes that I'm implementing when I launch Profile the Profit for that too. So it was a really great learning experience. But in the moment, I couldn't see that. I was just so wrapped up in, oh my God, I'm a failure. This isn't working. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money now? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? Uh, so you, you again need a little bit of that long-term perspective and that lens of everything as a learning experience. But failing, I have failed my way forward in my business in more times than just this. And I'm saying this now with the, the cautious optimism that I will have more than one person register for this course, which again, I hope is the case, but realistically, who knows? Maybe I still have a lot more learning to do before I'm really ready to register to launch courses that people are ready to register for. But um, I'm optimistic about what I've learned and what I'm going to be putting in place for this time. And I'm 
just, yeah, trying to focus on that failing forward mindset and that even if I have one person register this time, it's still a success because, you know, I've tried new things. I've been doing paid ads for Facebook for this course and I'm seeing some results with that. So I'm learning a lot in that process and I'm really focusing in on like website experience and uh, I don't really know how else to explain it other than website experience, but like streamlining the process and doing all of these things, which should theoretically work well <laughs> for this course launch. Um, but you know what, if they don't, then I know for next time, like, hey, maybe investing all this time in building, I really wanna like give a number for you so that you can emphasize or like understand how much time I've actually spent on the back end preparing just my website for this course. I wanna say it's something like 12 different website pages. It's a beast, guys. This is like full on launch mode. This is like way different than when I launched my email marketing course last time. Um, so I'm curious to see how that translates into results for my business. But I will be launching Profile to Profit this month and I will be relaunching my email marketing course later in the year, maybe before May. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this course launch goes, how motivated I am for this. Uh, but I will be relaunching the email marketing course and I will be splitting it into two pieces because I've learned my lesson. And the first half of it will be getting set up with an email platform if you have not done that. And the second part will be if you have an email platform that you've been using and you're ready for more of those advanced techniques. But we'll talk about like segmenting your audience and building in some of those advanced sequences to have that good customer experience and all of those things. So there'll be two different courses, two different email marketing courses that I am hoping to launch later this year, taking everything that I've learned from my first email failure. <laughs> and whatever I learned from my time launching Profile to Profit later this month to then focus on some more courses later in the year. So failure is not defining, just to summarize. And it's honestly the best way to learn. And I don't know that my business would be as successful as it is now if I hadn't had some of the failures that I had, failures, <laughs> that I had last year. Because every time I fail, I learn more and I grow as like an individual, but also as a business owner. So I'm trying to transition my brain now to taking more risks because I was a very risk adverse person because risk meant failure to trying different things and having more of like a scientific approach to my business and to be like, okay, well, what if we try this? What results can we get? Be like, okay, well, that either did or didn't work. So let's adjust our strategy and then try this and then see what results we get. So I'm trying to make that mental shift of how I approach different activities in my business so that I can be more open to those failures or learning experiences to be able to grow, I'm gonna say further faster, but just like in general, to be able to grow who I am as an individual and who I am as a business owner. So failure is not defining, it's actually the best way to learn and grow, yeah. So I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode and all of my rambling. I don't even know how long I've been talking here, but I'm sure Grayson will go to edit it and be like, Brene, you didn't set the timer, <laughs> you talk too much, uh, which has been some of the feedback that I get from him. Um, but to summarize, the five things that I've learned in business, real quick and dirty. First one, your business is only as healthy as you are. Two, investing in your business is not always solu the solution to the problem you're facing. Also, don't invest out of fear and panic. Third one, trust yourself. You are an expert, unless you haven't had any clients before or gotten results for yourself, in which case, be careful with that one. But uh, trust yourself. System set you free, number four. Number five, you cannot do this alone, nor should you. And number six, failure is the way forward. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and also supporting me and my business over the last two years. It has been an absolute roller coaster and I have loved almost every minute of it, <laughs> except for when I'm feeling like a failure. 
but I'm truly grateful every time you guys hit play on an episode or every time you like and comment on a social media post. You don't have to work with me to support my business. It's just all of these other things that you guys do, you know, telling friends about me, joining my email list, listening to a podcast, all of that supports my business. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And uh, I really hope that if you've listened to this, you'll send me a message on Instagram and let me know which lesson you took the most away from or which one you found entertaining. (laughs) If you even liked this episode at all, so that I know I'm going to be planning a bunch more episodes. I'd like to do some more solo stuff. I like sharing what I've learned with you guys. I hope that you love it too. Uh, And I want to know what you guys want me to talk about. So if you have any suggestions for other podcast ideas that I can do either with guests uh, so that I know what guests to bring on too or what solo episodes you'd like for me, that would be really helpful. So thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Go Get Great. I hope you found some useful tips and tricks that can help you make life and business work together. If what I said resonates with you, please share it on social media and don't forget to tag at Brittany Miller's socials so that I can celebrate you for taking those first steps towards achieving greatness. Remember, success doesn't happen overnight. It takes dedication, hard work, and a lot of spirit. So don't be afraid to dream big and go after what you want. Keep striving for greatness. You get closer with every step forward, no matter how small they may seem. Until next time, go get great.